0: Plenty of those talking of whispering campaigns. We're talking about responsible social media. And the question I asked you was Have you ever drunk tweeted? Maybe you had one too many. And you went out and you tweeted something terrible. Have you ever tweeted out of anger? Or maybe you liked something on social media before you actually read it and really understood what it was all about. Of course, it's a massive risk for you, not just professionally, but also personally. And the question we're trying to understand is how do you use social media wisely? What are the ramifications of the posts that we put on line maybe it's twitter maybe it's instagram it could even be facebook what happens when you do that it's there forever it's a bit like uh, you put a tattoo on your body and man that ink remains guys forever so that's what we want to know from you have you ever done it and uh, what was the outcome from you on the line is sarah Britton. she's a social media strategist sarah long time no talk Uh, good to hear from you yeah good to chat to you again michelle So, Sarah, when we talk about responsible social media, what are we actually talking about?
1: I I think a lot of it is alluded to in in your comments just now, you know, drunk tweeting. um, Have you said something in anger? Have you just gone out there and blurted something out? Um, Responsible social media use is very, very difficult. And um, (laughs) I know that. Because, you, you know, I'm on social media and it's very, very tempting. You've got this device in your hand all the time. It's, there, it's, it's this great big audience out there for you to have, uh, you know, to vent your feelings and have, have a rant at. But, um, of course, there are consequences to that. Um, and we saw last week with the death of Patrick Shai, um, it, it was suggested that social media contributed to that. People have lost their jobs over social media activity. So yes, the consequences can be very, very serious. And I think we don't think about that enough when we go onto social media and we just blurt out whatever we're feeling. So responsibility means recognizing that social media is very, very powerful, that it has very broad reach, that something you say in a throwaway moment could go viral very easily, could go around the world, and um, it could change your life and not for the better. So I think when when we're thinking about that, um, you know, <laughs> think before you tweet, uh, is it, good advice. It's, it's hard to follow, but that's what we should be doing.
0: So, Sarah, let's look at it. I mean, you talk about responsibility of uh, social media and how we engage with it. I suppose that what we have to look at are three different areas. The one is ethics, and underneath that I would look at morality, the, the morals of what you do. Um, are you being immoral, or are you being moral, or are you being amoral? The other one is, is, as we said, the ethics. And the third one is the legality. Now, professionally, the legality is critical, but ethics and morality also talk to that as well.
1: Yes, and, and all three of those things can have really grave consequences. I'm sure you've been following the case of um, the guy who's been making allegations about Bonang. He's now got a 300,000 rand (laughs) bill. He's a a, a metric, I believe. I'm not sure where he's going to find that kind of money. I think one of the, the biggest problems with social media and why we see so much toxicity and bullying is that it's just so tempting. It's, you know, you see somebody say something you disagree with and instead of scrolling past like a sensible person... You want to join in because it feels like you're part of something. You're part of a community. And also, very importantly, it feels like you're morally superior to them. Mm -hmm. I think this drives a lot of social media activity. So a celebrity, and that doesn't even have to be a celebrity. Somebody says something you disagree with or goes against the prevailing sentiment. Somebody uh, calls them out on it, and then everyone joins in. It's like, uh, you know. Uh, you know, a swarm of bees. You know, the pheromones are out, and people just want—if not blood, then they want to feel good about themselves. And, and of course, what happens is the person on the receiving end of this, um, you know, will ex- might well experience mental health distress, um, or you know, it might, might, you know, it really might affect them very, very severely. I don't know how women journalists on Twitter, for example, in South Africa, cope with all the viciousness directed their way. Mm. And, yeah, that that's something I, I would like to pick up on at some point, is how women experience social media versus how men experience social media, because it is, it is an important topic.
0: You know, I, I'd like to take that bit further, because, I mean, we've seen that historically in the past, where we've seen female journalists being... Uh, some of the responses on social media have actually been deeply deeply disturbing and I wonder is there the ability to protect oneself against like that we've seen I mean we saw the Benung case how many cases are we seeing moving forward in that particular area where women are being bullied where there are um, uh, threats being made against them on social media and the people who do that do they truly think that uh, no one is going to catch up with them
1: Some very good questions there, and and I think it's a massive problem. It's across multiple social networks. So somebody like Punang who has money and access to good lawyers, can um – uh, make somebody um, account for their actions. A lot of women don't have that that ability, particularly if you're not backed by a large media organisation. There's a very interesting article that's just come out by um, a cartoonist and a, a social commentator called Aubrey Hirsch, who's based in the US. So, despite yeah. her name, she is a woman, and she accounts. She describes the death threat. Um, she'll come to a house and find her door unlocked. So, people are taking threats. From just calling her four-letter words on social media, they're actually following up on them, uh, which is very scary. I think it's, it's, you know, that's part of the weirdness of U.S. politics right now. Um, social media is fomenting this polarization. In South Africa, I myself, um, I took down my Twitter account. I had nearly twenty thousand followers, and I realized, you know, I just couldn't deal with the, the harassment anymore, so I deleted it. Um, and I, I'm back on Twitter, but I'm very low-key. I never have my real name there yeah. um, because I don't want to be searched for. And life is better. It's good for my sanity.
0: Yeah. I uh, hear you uh, completely. It's interesting. Clive just tweeted to say, or, or WhatsApped to say, te bring Uh quick to anger brings um uh, challenges and problems and i always remember yes. my father saying to me if you're really angry about something whatever you do you don't comment you don't write you wait 24 hours and then you decide if your anger was validated and then you can take action in whichever way you want so that would be one angle of it i'm sure well, th- that is
1: excellent advice from your father uh, <laughs> Put the phone down, go outside, scream into a pillow, walk away. Um, it's, it's advice I, I freely give out here, and I should follow myself more. Um, I often do type up a post or something, and I think, how will this be perceived? And then I go, mm, because I also as a social media strategist, I've dealt with um, not just my own social media issues, but client issues as well. And you can see when somebody is walking, you know, walking into – Real trouble. They're just digging a massive hole for my, themselves. And in that case, the best advice I can give is delete. When you delete, you take away the oxygen because people want things to talk about. And if it's, if the original post is gone, then at least nobody has can talk about it. And and sometimes people do screenshot things uh, in which yeah, case, which yes, it you. does carry on. Yeah, um, which is is often very unethical. I mean, you know, screenshotting something. Um, yeah, very murky ethics there, and I think why why would that
0: be why it, would that be murky ethics? So if I post something and then you read it on Twitter, and you think this is outrageous, and you take a screenshot of it, and then tomorrow I've realised you're quite right, it was outrageous. So I delete it. Why would it be unethical of you to take a screen screen grab of it? I, I think it's it's
1: unethical in this. Well, there there are millions of shades of grey of ethics. Mm. But I do think if somebody realizes the error of their ways and deletes because they realize they shouldn't have said that, um, or, you know, they're apologetic. Um or or they've tweeted something that people are offended by but is not in and of itself offensive.
2: Yeah.
1: Then why are you doing that? Then you're just targeting them because it's it's recreational bullying. And I I can offer A real example of something, um, and it's from South Africa, and and it's a really small and insignificant thing, but last week we had something called Tea Gates when um, somebody tweeted, um, somebody I know in real life, in fact, tweeted that she saw a 12-year-old child at a medical specialist asking the receptionist for a cup of tea and then wanted to see the milk (laughs) carton. And she said she couldn't believe the parents just sat and watched. And I scrolled past because I thought, you know what, um, it didn't particularly bother me, but it bothered some other people. And this thing went on for three days with people commenting, with snides, um, allusions to it. And I was, if, if, if I had been in that position, I would have deleted that tweet, not because I felt it was objectively wrong, but because, you know, after... You know a thousand notifications and and the stupidity of it all it just gets annoying. It's like why people why are you spending your energy on this so um I think it's it, it depends on a lot of factors if if you are a public figure and you're tweeting hate speech, yes, yeah. by all means, by all means, that is a totally different kettle of fish um, yeah. if you and we we do see that rather more often than we should, but if it's something innocuous if if it's a matter of opinion. Then why are you spending your energy uh, getting your knickers in a knot over this thing? Yeah. Roll past, put, push the phone down, and we've got better things to do.
0: Uh, you know, Sarah, I actually saw the tweet of the person who said this child asked to see the, the, the milk. And I thought, well, at least the child knows, you know, maybe they fr- can't drink milk. Maybe it's they can only drink certain types of milk. I don't know. At least the child knows what their own health is. And it, it's... It seems also there was there was something in that particular tweet that made me think it's as if we don't want children to well they must be seen but they can't be heard. You know? Oh yes that that came up a lot. <laughs> and I was I was I was intrigued by that because I don't believe that that yes. should be the case and I think that any child that is open enough to say I, I would like to see this good for them at least they know where their future is yeah, going well, you know.
1: Well I had I cannot believe we're talking about gates still but this is why social media is so addictive is that people yeah. put out an opinion it's like the coffee shop it's, but yes and and i had a different view and and i thought that maybe you know you know if if i as a strategist as an evil strategist i would have turned that around and said why is the receptionist as yeah. a woman expected to be a waitress for <laughs> patients when she's actually got a much more important job to do and
0: and, and there are they're, they're, you could you could approach things. you could approach it from so many different angles, Sarah. We're just going to go oh, to a yes. news break, but uh, we're talking to Sarah Britton, a social media strategist. We're talking about responsible social media. We've seen a series of events take place in the past uh, couple of weeks. The uh, narrative around Patrick Shy, also the narrative around Benang and uh, her particular story as well. And we are asking: Have you ever been, as Clive said, quite tachou that you just suddenly got furious and? you tweeted something or you put something on Instagram and Facebook and what happened how did you feel what did you do did you just suddenly delete it or were you so angry do you sometimes feel like you've been bullied on social media and certainly we've seen many women uh, taking that on as well you can sms us 41391 we'd love to hear your voice 0614 104 107 or 011 714 4 so We're going straight to our headlines with Luyanda.
2: Michelle Constant on SAFM. 13.32
0: 13.32 and uh, on the team you just heard Luyanda news but Floqua and Pelo on production and KG on the decks as well keeping you going till 3 o'clock today. We're talking about being so, uh, responsible on social media and I was interested in what Noel tweeted as well saying we see social media fermenting polarization and that is so true. Continues to say it's also rather slow to react but Spotify and other platforms are just as toxic. Just look at Spotify's murky ethics around Joe Rogan misinformation. So that was an interesting story. We, in fact, covered it uh, in depth on uh, our show on the weekend. Where we were looking at social media platforms and platforms uh, for streaming. So we were looking specifically at Spotify and the story with Neil Young and Joe Rogan. Of course, Joe Rogan doing a podcast which puts up massive information, misinformation and disinformation about vaccination. And Neil Young, the musician, and many musicians of his ilk saying, well, pull us off Spotify. Spotify, we refuse to have our music on there because spotify was allowing it to continue so it raises some really really interesting conversations there we have social media strategist sarah Britton on the line sarah thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me on the show sarah let's uh, continue with the concept of um I, I think this idea of how social media is used for misinformation and disinformation and indeed the responsibility it is of the person who puts that information out there. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Well,
1: it's interesting that one of the the tweets you mentioned talked about polarization, because that is um, one of the consequences of all these little pieces of behavior adding up. So somebody expresses a view which may or may not be correct. Somebody um, opposes that or chooses to amplify it. And I think um at the individual level it's it's often it feels quite disempowering. How do you combat misinformation or how mm. do you create a better environment overall and I think one of the things we can do is to resist the temptation to amplify things um, that are filled with misinformation. I think one of the one of the consequences one of the problematic consequences with Deciding that only one kind of information can go out is that people who are susceptible to conspiracy theories or who believe that um, the media is filtering messaging, which in many cases they are, that tends to feed into their belief about the world. So I think that saying, you know, putting out blanket statements saying thou shalt not put out this kind of information may end up not addressing the problem as effectively as we would like it to. I think every single day in every single interaction, we have to think about, am I spreading something that is accurate? I mean, yesterday we had Helen Ziller, of all people, putting out or amplifying uh, an independent online piece about a naval gun that fired into Mm. Simons Town, which turns out to not be true um, based on what the Navy themselves say. So you have, we we all need to look at what is the source, who's saying it, um, can I back it up? I tend to always Google something. If I see something that looks, eh, it could be a little bit off to check if it comes up on Snopes, for example. And if I can't find any independent verification, then I'll tend not to, to want to retweet it. So I think it's, it's about discipline. It's, about, it's also about being open to other points of view. I think one of the big problems with polarization is it's leading to a kind of digital tribalism where each of us lives in a bubble where we only ever interact with people we completely agree with on absolutely everything. We block people whose opinions we don't like or else we swear at them um, and report their posts. And it ends up with a situation where we live in a world where... We're living in multiple headspaces and communities where we never actually get to interact. There's no point, no point of commonality or community, which is quite worrying, particularly as with COVID. We spend a lot more time online than we do in the real world in many cases. So I think as individuals, we need to think before we share things. And we need to engage in good faith with others, even if we don't always agree with them.
0: Just in closing, uh, Sarah. Obviously, one of the spaces on social media, which we've all seen uh, historically, with various different politicians, Mulusi Gigabov being one of them, uh, having their private parts uh, being blown into a really quite uh, 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 quite vivid <laughs> yes, <laughs> images no, on so- I'm yeah sure. on social media. How how does how, how does one deal with that, and can one deal with that? Well, you know, if it's
1: you um, whose um, parts are ending up on on porn hubs when you yeah. do not want them to be there, um, then obviously there are legal um, there's a legal route to follow, and and we know that revenge porn um, and the targeting of women um, is a whole different ball game. No pun intended. Why am I coming up with these terrible puns? <laughs> but but yeah, I think that that's a slightly different discussion. I think where where we are sitting, um, it's You know, as people seeing this stuff scrolling past, we, I think we have the responsibility as adults and as citizens to not share it. Somebody leaks the stuff, somebody shares it, somebody wants to look. And of course, we all, you know, it's like looking at a car crash. We slow down to see, it's rubbernecking, digital rubbernecking, because what's everyone talking about? It's very tempting, but we have to stop ourselves from doing that because it leads to um, exploitation. It leads I mean it, it can lead to suicide, as I believe it did with one young woman last week, um, whose nudes were leaked. Um and yeah, it's it's again it's just do not share things. Think about the consequences. Think about the real person behind that.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do have a message from someone uh, with regards to this.
2: Afternoon ladies, I love this conversation, I'm not on Twitter nor Instagram. WhatsApp doesn't faze me because somebody says something I don't like, I just don't follow them or delete them. My biggest thing are WhatsApp chat groups. Um, I created one for our p- class, I matriculated in 1972 and said from the start, please stay away from politics and negative things and religion. But some people just can't help themselves. And it got to the stage that I just left the chat and probably won't go to my 50th class reunion. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I find it very intrusive.
0: Geez, now there's an interesting topic, Sarah, is the um, is WhatsApp groups. I mean, we're all on a family ah. WhatsApp group. I mean, Ooh. I've been scoped off a certain family WhatsApp group. Well, they didn't actually <laughs> scope me. They just quietly all moved to another uh, WhatsApp. It wasn't close family, but nevertheless, so I know that thing where you just, you can get into huge fights with family, but also where people use WhatsApp to, to put opinions out when actually it might just be an information-based WhatsApp group. How does one deal with that?
1: Well, I I, I think I, I just my heart breaks for your listener. I mean, can you imagine not going to your first year school reunion because of WhatsApp, um, and but that is one of the things. You can leave, you can mute. The mute button, I think, is one of the most underused features of social media. So you can have a presence there, but but it, it's not gonna get you down and ruin your day, because WhatsApp can definitely do that. Um, sometimes you do need to block. Um, maybe, you know, you make very clear rules up front, and if people break them, then you remove them if you're an admin. Um, Unfortunately, of course, we are dealing with human beings, and much as we would love human beings to behave nicely and be adults and be in full control of their emotions and not be terrible, people, people are people. Uh, and that's, that's the root of the problem with social media, and social media has made it so much worse because we can all see what everyone else thinks.
0: Whereas yeah. before we'd have to we, we didn't know, we, we assumed. I think that uh, when we look at it, maybe one of the, the first things to think about is really that engagement. What does it mean to be empathetic? And also, what does it mean not just, just put oil on the fire because you want to be a bully or whatever the case may be? Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. That's Sarah Britton. She's a social media strategist and uh, has had many of her own experiences, I know, on social media as well.